At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke. Okay, folks, it is that time to preview the entire slate for NFL Week 4 here on VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Alongside me, previewing every single entire Sunday slate this football season, it's Mike Palman. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Palm Circa. As for myself, Danny Burke, on the tweets at Danny Burke 5. So like I said, Mike and I will be going through the entire slate on Sunday. All of the games, sides, totals, our perspectives, analysis, and more. We'll also talk our favorite teasers, survivor contest strategy, and naturally our best bets for NFL Week 4. So Mike, my man, uh, how did NFL Week 3 treat you? Before we get into this slate, how did it go at Circa? And then uh, I know you had a pretty decent week this past weekend, it seemed. I had a decent week. Uh, I, you know, Matt Humans is doing that great show, the Saturday bet prep, but he's having the circuit invitational uh, handicappers contest where Derek put up the 25,000, uh, Matt and I are playing along with them. Um, we can't win the money, but we, I went five and oh there. I had three college plays though. And then, uh, and then we had, uh, we had the Eagles who dominated that game against uh, the Commodores and, uh, and then an ugly, ugly, ugly game that the Broncos were able to 11 to 10 it for us, plus a point and a half. A lot, a lot easier for the teaser players on the Broncos who had some breathing room there. But, but that ugly game didn't go too bad. Um, I lost an in-game bet. 
on the Chargers and Jaguars first half under, um, which was 19 and a half at a plus number. And then they turned the ball over twice and that was done pretty quick, but did hit a first half under on the Saints and, uh, and Panthers. That was really an ugly game with two quarterbacks that really looked awful, Danny. Yeah, that's for sure. It's uh, it's just problem after problem for New Orleans. And now it's starting to arise the question of, is Jameis Winston going to continue to be the starter? And man, I, I just don't know how you can really bet on New Orleans at this point. And this is you know, a good segue because this is going to be the first game we'll talk about out in London, Mike. Uh, the Saints taking on the Vikings. This thing opened up when it was an early opener at about a pick em, and the immediate movement went to Minnesota. Minus two in the hook, saw it hit some threes, and now consensus seems to be painted two and a half in favor of Minnesota. Total, 43 and a half. Don't really see any variation there. Uh, I've heard a lot of people like Minnesota in this game, and to be honest, I do too, and I like Minnesota overall this season. I've been pretty vocal about that, but it just seems like still, New Orleans is a team that would just surprise you because of the talent they still have present and Minnesota the fact that they were trailing and needed that big comeback against Detroit didn't really give me too much confidence to run to the counter and bet them in this game and again I'm not saying New Orleans has given me any confidence themselves but in London man this is just a tricky spot so ultimately I'm staying away but do you see any value in this early game it's hard to pull the trigger on the Vikings here I mean, it takes Dan Campbell and all his nonsense in the fourth quarter to really get them back in that game. I cannot believe he kicked that field goal. That's the last choice. Rather to punt there. I always think the field is like this, Danny, in the last two minutes. And if you can get a team backed up, they have to they have to get yeah. uphill before it turns, you know, flat and then downhill, coming off your own end zone. Uh, if they could have pinned him inside the 10 there. And he'd gone for it, what, six or seven times already on fourth mm -hmm. down in the game. But anyhow, I digress. Besides Jameis Winston, how bad does Camaro look? He doesn't look yeah. anything like himself either. He, he's not effective in the passing game like he was under Sean Payton. A lot of problems for the Saints. Um, maybe Brady's lack of receivers sort of masked that the previous week, and we saw it play in with the, the Packers really controlling that game in Tampa Bay. I don't know if I can lay two and a half, though, with the Vikings because they just look so lethargic. I mean, they looked great against the Packers in week one. Then they just get buried on Monday night football and had a rally from two touchdowns down against Detroit at home. I, I thought a little bit about the under here, 43 and a half, just because the Saints look anemic. They, they've been two weeks in a row. Jameis can't hit open receivers. If you put pressure on him at all, he, he's not mobile. Um, so it's probably a pass for me with a lean to the under, Danny. Now, considering this is an international game, it, with international games in general, Mike, does this kind of put an asterisk on things for you in terms of your betting? Like, I would do this on a normal game, but the fact that it's overseas, I'm going to do that. And then not only for the game that's coming up, but the week following, is there some kind of impact that you always keep in the back of your mind because of those international spots? I think it's the coming off of it is where the teams get affected, right? And the Raiders had to, had to do that and had that awful road trip. Uh, when Gruden was still there. I'd look for more of the effects when they come back from London. Why can't they ever have a good game over there? I mean, on paper, this might have been a decent game before the year, but it's always right. Jacksonville, who might be uh, much better than we thought they were going to be. But, you know, it's the Jets and the Falcons and all these god-awful games are very early in the morning here on the West Coast. So I don't generally get too involved in betting them unless it's from an in-game perspective. Makes sense. All right, Mike. Well, let's move on. Let's talk... 
Tennessee and Indianapolis. Man, this game's got me thinking back and forth here because the Colts finally got a much-needed win, and it was a big one against the Chiefs, and at the same time, so did the Titans. I thought that was a pretty good spot for Tennessee against the Raiders. But now I'm kind of questioning, like, is that the win that's putting the Colts on this trajectory that we thought they would be on? Or was that just one of those games where the desperation levels were so high, everything was just thrown out there, and now they'll come back to the team we saw in the first couple of weeks? You just kind of have all of those questions for both sides here. But if you get this spread over three, Mike, I can't help but feel you'd have to take it with Tennessee. And we are seeing a late resurgence in the spread, now up to four in favor of the Colts. I know some spots still have three and a half. It looks like you guys at Circa just moved to four. Mm -hmm. uh, total at about 43. What's with the late line movement here? Yeah, we went to we went to four uh, earlier this morning uh, and up just a click on the total. I actually agree with the total move. I kind of like this game over. I don't think mm -hmm. the I don't think the Titans defense is very good. I don't think Carr played very well in that game. Uh, give the Titans offense credit. I mean, what they scored the three touchdowns on their first three possessions to take control of that game, and then they held on late. Um, it's hard for me to say that the Colts the Colts were competitive, right? But I mean, if if, right. if Jones doesn't have to tell Matt Ryan about somebody else's sack, they're losing that game too because they're punting with five to go, and I don't think they're getting the ball back from Mahomes honestly but they get the win they were competitive in that spot i can't play a side here i certainly aren't laying four with the colts i think you might even see people tease the titans up i know it's yeah. not through three and seven but you can tease them through seven and ten in this spot um so i think the titans might be a popular teaser play this week and i'm on the fence with the, the total i'm an unders player but i i think there's points in this game because i don't think the titans defense is is very good and I'm not really sure that the Colts' defense is that good, although Mahomes and company were, were kept under 20. Yeah, and this could find maybe not finally because he had one good game, but this could be a big game for Jonathan Taylor, who's kind of been lackadaisical the last two games. Tennessee's run defense is awful, and you know that the Colts need Jonathan Taylor to produce if they want to be consistently winning. So this could be a game where he comes alive and they could be moving the ball a lot, as you're kind of alluding to here, but... Yeah, I, I did consider that angle with the teaser with the Titans. If you're going to tease them up, maybe look to get them to 10 in the hook on a six-and-a-half-point teaser. That's probably the only way I would play this. But, yeah, nothing right now for that game. Might, may add some props depending on where some of these numbers get posted. But that'll be a fun one to watch to kind of get a good idea of how these teams are looking heading into week four. Uh, a game that may not be as fun to watch, Mike, at least though I'll be stuck suffering through it, is the Giants and the Bears. All right, so the Bears pull out an ugly win. You kind of get the bad beat with that total going over right at the end. I was sweating out the Bears' money line. And you called it, though. You said it was going to be a field goal game. You said, like, 2017, 23, 20. Close enough, man. You nailed that down to the very end. But, yeah, I sweat the Bears and uh, luckily came through. We see another field goal spread here, except on the side of New York laying three. It even touched three in the hook, but now it's back down to three. And, again, the total right at 39 and a half. Mike, this again with the Bears, knowing how bad the Giants run defense is, even if Montgomery isn't going, which he probably is not, Khalil Herbert can be sufficient enough. They clearly don't trust Justin Fields, so it's going to be a run-heavy offense out of Chicago. Conversely, for the Giants, well, Saquon Barkley's been their best offense, and the Bears' run defense is terrible. But the bright spot for New York, I will say, Mike, 
and I've been a huge critic of Daniel Jones, he actually looked all right on Monday Night Football. I'm not going to lie. And it sounds so gross to say this, and I was saying this with Matt uh, yesterday when we were recording, because you and I were recording this Thursday afternoon. I honestly, like, Daniel Jones looks better passing-wise than Justin Fields. You really can't dispute it at this point. I'm not saying I'd rather have Daniel Jones, but he's more of the competent passer right now with Dable as his head coach. I hate to say it again, but, like, the Giants seem like the right side here. I don't know if I'm going to bet it because it's so ugly, but I really don't feel confident in Chicago against the New York Giants, and I and I just feel gross saying that, but it's the truth right now. Well, you have one quarterback who's a passer who can run in Daniel Jones, and then you have another quarterback who's a runner who tries to pass. I mean, that's that's <laughs> yeah. kind of the difference. I, I don't know, but people are really down on Daniel Jones. Uh, he was pressured 29 times on Monday night. The, the offensive line, they drafted the kid from North Carolina State. What, they draft him fifth? I mean, they just beat him all night, the Cowboys kneel. Um, so he's forced to run a lot. And then the Cowboys yeah. adjusted Dan Quinn, and they finally started spying him in the fourth quarter to take away his legs because, what, he have like nine rushes for 70 yards, something like that. He was effective with his legs. I thought that game could have went either way. Uh, with the Cowboys, um, the Bears game, another wasn't was a toss up. Uh, I, I, but but Roquan Smith is really playing well. I mean, he's dominating these games from the defensive side, and I know they had the contract dispute with them, and he was representing himself. He might be the defensive player of the year through three weeks. I mean, th- as far as the effect he has on his team, I mean, it, it's it's amazing. I, I don't know how you play this game. I'd be leery with the Bears now going on the going on the road here. Um, I think a young quarterback, um, you know, like Fields, obviously it's more comfortable playing at home. He doesn't have to deal with the crowd noise. Although how many people are showing up for this matchup at MetLife, I don't know. And how much noise are they going to make? It's not the Cowboys and it's not Monday night. I I, I lean Giants here, but the number's probably right, two and a half or three. So I, I don't find a play. I'll be watching this game out of the corner of my eye to see if if Fields is making any progress. Yeah, and you mentioned Roquan Smith. I mean, the heart and soul of this defense, that's why a lot of Bears fans, despite what was happening, did not want to give him away unless you were getting great assets in return. And luckily, he's been here, and he's been a huge playmaker. I I believe he leads the NFL in tackles, and he's always been up there. I think he was a short shot at a lot of books to lead the league in tackles coming into this season, but... Huge interception last week. They're going to have to force Daniel Jones to throw turnovers in this game if they want to win. Uh, Mike, do you think that this could almost be, and I know we'll get more in depth about it a little bit later here in the show, could this be a sneaky survivor selection with the Giants? Do you think you'll actually get a decent amount of people looking to back the G-Men? No. I don't don't think people will get involved in this game. Um, I think the Steelers are the sneaky survivor selection. Mm play against this just like I thought Cleveland was on Thursday night was sneaky and we ended up getting over 200 yeah. people took them last week it's pretty big yep, for me people too. <laughs> don't like to play Thursday you know what I mean because they have to commit early and and that um they faded that really was a fate of the Steelers and now you may be taking the Steelers fading the Jets I mean the line's three three and it's three with juice or it's three and a half with juice to the dog the the other way I think you're going to see people because look the Eagles are six and a half but the Jaguars have looked so good. You'd think the Cowboys might be a survivor play. That might be one of them. And then the layup, I think, is the Packers. But do you want to save the Packers for later? It's Circa Survivor, 75% out, 15-50 remains. So now are you just trying to survive when it's 
when it's been cut this dramatically. So it really comes down to Green Bay or save them, and then where do you go? Yeah, good point. I uh, I think I'm going to be trying to save Green Bay, but again, we'll expound on that a tad bit more so in the show. But let's go ahead and jump into that game. Pittsburgh, New York, Zach Wilson looking to return. And as you mentioned, Mike, three in the hook, now down to three is what we're seeing. Some spots do have three in the hook, though, or I guess most spots do. If you're laying three, it's about minus a buck 20 on the side mm-hmm. of Pittsburgh. Total 41 in the hook. 42 in the hook is as high as I've seen. Kind of a low number out there by you in Sin City. Uh, 41 flat is also available. I <laughs> I know you're mentioning this one could potentially be a big survivor plate. Mike, I honestly think this is the one game that I have stayed the farthest away from. Like, I want absolutely nothing to do with this because I still don't know what I'm going to get out of Mitch Trubisky. And the Jets clearly can be feisty, as we saw in that Cleveland game, even though that may be an outlier. And you're getting an unknown with Zach Wilson back in the mix. I don't know what the hell to expect in this game. So that's why I just don't think it's worth getting invested in. You know, I was disappointed in the Steelers' defense on Thursday night against the Browns. I thought they made Brissett look the best he's looked all year. But mm-hmm. then do you blame Trubisky? I mean, they kind of took oh, the shackles man. off in the first half. And the, and the game was, what, 14-13 up and down the field. In the second half, the Steelers had nine first down snaps. They ran the ball all nine times. I, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get what they're doing there. If that, you know, that, that's what makes you hesitant. Are they going to keep the training wheels on them like they did against the Patriots and then in the second half against the Browns? If, if that's the case, uh, then why not just put Pickett in and let him throw the ball? I, I, I don't know. Um, but there's uncertainty, obviously, of Zach Wilson going from not playing at all to all of a sudden be thrust in here in week four. So there's uncertainty on the Jets side of the ball. Cincinnati, they made Cincinnati look very good on the road. They had complete control of that game last week, and that was the dominant survivor play, almost 700 people, and they really didn't have to sweat. This game's a pass for me as well. I get the only argument you might be able to make is maybe you make it for the 41 and a half and try to go under with, you know, two teams that are probably going to try to run the ball at least start to lessen the pressure on their quarterback. Yeah, and I think the biggest point you mentioned is that Zach Wilson just getting thrown into week four. I mean, we saw plenty of quarterbacks who didn't play in the preseason struggle out of the gate. Zach Wilson on a team with the Jets who have far less talent going on the road against Pittsburgh, still pretty talented defense. Yeah, could be a really tough spot for uh, the Jets and Zach Wilson. But I'm kind of with you, Mike. I think if I'm playing anything here, it would have to be something surrounding the total. So I would probably look to see if you could get it under 42 in the hook or something like that. Again, some books do have that. Not many, but some if you shop around before Sunday. Uh, Mike, you nailed this one last week with Jacksonville taking the seven points against the Chargers. They dominated Herbert's crew. It's a tough matchup again for them. Not sure if it'll be the same outcome as they go to the city of brotherly love. The Eagles now laying six and the hook across the board. Total at 46. We mentioned Survivor. I'm sure Philly will be a popular Survivor play. I'm sure there'll be a popular teaser play. Is this a game where it's like kind of a get-right spot for Jacksonville in the sense of they're going to fall back? Not a get-right, but it's them falling back to reality? Or is this going to be a game where we go, man, you know, they couldn't pull it out, but this team proved that they're legit and they can hang with the best of them? I know people will say Chief Bucks is the game of the week and then maybe Rams 49ers or something like that. This is the game I'm most looking forward to because I think it's a measuring stick for Jacksonville. Look, uh, there's not much you can complain about Philadelphia so far. 
you know, they, they let the Giants get in the back door in week one, but they really dominated that game offensively. I mean, the Lions, they really dominated that game offensively. Week two, total and absolute control against the Colts. They dominated the Chargers at SoFi. Herbert Hurt, anyhow, killed them, dominated them in that game. Offensively, defensively, and the Chargers have all these, right, all pros everywhere on defense, offense, special. Look, this is, you know, you, you could argue that this is a matchup between two of the top five or six teams in football, two weeks in a row travel for the Jaguars. I still, I'm still waiting, you know, you can't play great games all, all year long. And will the Eagles have a dull performance somewhere? Could it be this week? I actually made the number for me on this game four and a half or five. So I think it's a little steep. I know some people that are pro betters are betting this number now, thinking that this might tick up to seven. And laying the six and a half, it's probably a wait and see approach for me. I think Jacksonville's pretty good. I like the fact that they're running the football. That gives Herbert time. They're moving him around a little bit, uh, and he's been pretty mature in his decision making. They probably should be three and zero. Talked about that that week one game in Washington, uh, how they gave that game away, but the Eagles look really good to me. I mean, they just two points until garbage time for, for, for Washington last week. That's a dominating performance. Uh, the yardage, the first downs, everything was dominating. So it's, 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 it's probably a wait and see game for me. Maybe I look for an end game angle here. If I see a weakness from one team or the other, but I can't bet into this number right now. I, if anything, I would take the six and a half. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, it is such a litmus test for this spot. I, I guess you could say for both teams, but of course, more so for Jacksonville. I think the good thing for Philly, if you're someone who maybe wants to tease them down, bet them, whatever it may be, is that, and, and it's the NFL, look, they're going to be ready regardless, but they know that Jacksonville's a legit threat. Now, the fact that they just completely obliterated the Chargers last week, Philly's not coming into this spot, you know, just all calm, cool, and collected. Like, they know a team that's clearly improved a lot is coming into their territory so they're not going to sleepwalk into this game I think the offense will still be ready to go and defensively they know what to expect out of Trevor Lawrence and company and that's that they can move the ball constantly with Doug Peterson as their head coach so uh, I've got nothing here if I did do anything Mike I'd probably tease down Philly but I haven't gotten there with them. I have nothing that really stands out too much. But uh, you said you're looking to maybe take the six in the hook. Are you going to wait to see if it gets to seven? Is that kind of what you're teetering on? Yeah, if it gets to seven, I'll take the seven. But if I was forced to play it, I would play it here. I think it's going to be a great game. You're right. Philly's going to respect Jacksonville. You have a coach that won a world championship for you coming back into mm -hmm. town, right? So I think this is just a great game. I think both sides respect each other. The Jags D coordinator had, uh, you know, played twice against with Tampa Bay last year, twice against Philadelphia and played them well both times. Both they remember they went there and shut them down in Philadelphia and then in the playoff game, in the wild card game. So maybe there's an advantage there to Jaguars from a scheming perspective. Uh, Peterson knows the players, but they're running a whole different offense than when he was there, obviously. So I think this is going to be a great early game. All right, another great early game we can look forward to, Mike. Baltimore and Buffalo. In May, this opened up at a pick'em, and then when it kind of reopened like a week or two ago, Buffalo was as high as minus four. Total was as high as 55. Totals come crashing down to 51. And then the spread we are now seeing minus three in favor of Buffalo all across the board. So three and 51 
anything worth playing here. I know it could be a windy type of game uh, with the tropical storm right now. And, you know, in Baltimore, it's it's always seeming to have bad weather. It's going to be a little bit rainy too, potentially. Probably why the totals come down a little bit. I, I imagine Buffalo, I mean, after that horrid loss against Miami where they just completely dominated time of possession and, and all the offense, I mean, talk about a weird game. They're going to be ticked off coming into this spot and ready to go. I kind of, I don't know, Mike. I, I'm so torn on a side here. I'm more inclined to bet the total. I just wish I would have gotten involved earlier because of the weather and because, you know, Buffalo's got a great defense in these conditions. Maybe Lamar Jackson is going to be struggling to throw the ball a little bit more. So, and because of those conditions, conversely, Buffalo could be halted a tad bit and they really have no running attack whatsoever. So I think it could be a lower scoring game. I'm just not sure if I still want to get involved at 51 uh, is there anything that you would play as at this moment for that game? You wish you got 55, and I wish I got a pick on the Bills, if, you know, in <laughs> this spot. I, I, I favor the Bills here. I'm not sure about the Ravens' defense. I just – I don't know. Um, Tua torched them. What, what is that playing against the Patriots? I don't think that's much of a test to, so that you could say anything about them there. I think the Bills are going to put points up, but what the weather's going to be like. Um, so, three – probably the right number here two weeks in a row on the road. But, I mean, is this a difference? Can you say, oh, the Bills aren't as great as we thought because they lost that game? They dominated the game. Turnovers, not getting the clock stopped at the end. A lot of crazy stuff there uh, in South Florida. I like the Bills to win this game. Um, you know, people, people talk about teasing through zero. How about teasing them through the other way? How about on your six-and-a-half-point teaser – you take the Titans plus 10 and a half and the Bills plus three and a half, possibly. Or you could do 11 and four, too. But I'm not playing the game for now, but that would be an interesting angle on it. I don't see Baltimore dominating the game. Yeah, and you mentioned Baltimore's defense. I mean, Mike, they're allowing 11.2 yards per completion, which is 25th in the NFL right now. I mean, Joe Flacco threw for 309. I get it was garbage time, but still Flacco getting that much may be concerning. Mac Jones had 321. Tua had 469. I get that these were a lot of strange games, but, I mean, you got to think with a pass-heavy offense in Buffalo, granted the weather may be a tad bit of an impact here, Josh Allen's just going to be slinging it left and right. So I, I've been kind of waiting, and I'll talk more about this on Prop Watch. I'm waiting to see where Josh Allen's pass attempts is going to be listed at because I think they're going to be trying to sling it despite the weather back and forth, or at least, I mean, on the side of Buffalo on a consistent basis. But, uh, yeah, I, I give the small advantage to Buffalo, and again, wish I could have got a better number on that total. But that one should be a great one, too. Uh, Mike, let's talk Detroit and let's talk Seattle. This game was the game I, as of this moment, I'm still kind of there, but this is my survivor selection with an asterisk on it, like mm. TBD. I, this mm. is the one that was the top of my list. But because of the injuries with St. Brown, with potentially Hawkinson, I'm assuming Swift isn't going to play, it doesn't give me as much confidence in them. And you're seeing that reflected in the spread. This thing opened five and a half, went up to six. Now it's at four in favor of Detroit at home against the Seahawks. Total, by the way, is bumped up from 46, now to 48. Seattle is terrible. Their defense against the pass has not been great. Jared Goff is probably going to be looking to throw the ball a lot. But 
Man, I, I mean, this screams Detroit winning, but in a fashion that makes you regret betting them. Like, they're going to, it's going to be kind of like the Commanders game, I feel like. They get out to an early lead. You're feeling good. Oh, Detroit's looking decent. Second half, they let Geno Smith get back into it, and you're sweating out a game you didn't think you were going to sweat out. So that's why I'm, I'm a little hesitant now to make them their survivor play, but I just feel like if there's a time to play Detroit, this has got to be it, Mike. Yeah, I said that with Mitch and Paul yesterday morning on Follow the Money that I thought the Lions would be a very popular play. St. Brown being out makes me a little more leery. I assume Swift was yeah. out at that point. St. Brown being out, I don't know, but Seattle is really bad. They're I, probably between them and the Jets, the worst so far. Um, six now down to four. I don't think I can play this game, but if I was in Survivor, I'd still be taking a hard look at it just because the Seahawks on the road. I mean, they weren't even competitive in San Francisco in the one road game. And I mean, they have that win when they were totally dominated by Denver and Denver imploded inside the five twice. And then the questionable decision making at the end. I think the Lions, I think the Lions, even though they lost that game in Minnesota, I was impressed with the Lions last week on the road. Uh, I thought they were the better team. Um, no injuries here. I'd have laid seven in this spot with no injuries. Um, so still to be considered for Survivor, but not a, not a, a pre-flop bet for me here. All right. Let's take a look at this next spot then, Mike, with Dallas and Washington. Or actually, no, we skipped uh, Chargers and Texans. Let's go to Houston. The Texans taking on the Chargers. So the Chargers, again, a team that's kind of filled with we don't know as much like the Lions. Herbert, assuming he's playing, but what's his availability health-wise? Uh, Keenan Allen up in the air. Let's just assume both of those guys can go here. Do we have enough out of this Chargers team to back them to cover five? Five's kind of in that ugly spot. Houston, they're a scrappy team, as we've mentioned, Mike. They haven't overcome to get a dub, but they'll keep it close. And this total's now dropped down to 44 also. And I got some thoughts on the total, which I'll share after we get your thoughts here. But Mike, I mean, I feel like after this game, we could be looking back and going, man, the Chargers under a touchdown, that was a pretty good spot. We we freaked out a little bit too much about the Chargers. What gives you any confidence in the Chargers? Uh, I don't know. The, I, I just think it's, you still got all the talent there, and the Chargers do this thing, and we've seen it year in, year out, where they just have these ugly games where it's like, what the hell is going on there? Like last week against Jacksonville, although that was a wonky week regardless. But if Allen's in the game, I think Keenan Allen is the big difference maker here. They did this, didn't they get blown out in Texas last year? Or was it two years ago? They played, yeah, they were a big, they got beat. That was a survivor <laughs> late in the year. A lot of people got knocked out on, and they got beat by like three scores or two scores. Uh, what is this Brandon Staley doing, Danny? Why would he have played Herbert last week hurt? But here's the bigger question. Why was he in the game down four touchdowns? Mm -hmm. Late in the game. What are they doing here? Justin Herbert is 16 and 19 as a starter. Is that giving you confidence here on the road, Danny? I don't get it. I want no part of this team. All these people bet him to win the Super Bowls. They're losers. It's a losing franchise. Get him away from them. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, this is the angle that I did play on this game, though, Mike. Um, I did bet this total under earlier in this week. I made this total 42 in the hook. That's where I put it at. And it opened like 46. I ended up jumping in on the 45. Look, Houston's offense has been really, really bad. I know that they're capable of moving the ball downfield, but they haven't executed that well in the red zone. I mean, again, they could have won that game against the Bears easily. Davis Mills with the interception was costly. And Damian Pierce is fine, but 
let's not forget the Chargers really did boost their defense this offseason. And as great as Jacksonville was last week, I don't think the Chargers defense is as bad as they look. They'll they'll get a nice boost from playing the Texans and we'll go, oh yeah, the Chargers defense isn't that bad. And then offensively for the Chargers, well, we don't know if Herbert's 100% healthy. We don't know if Keenan Allen's 100% healthy. And even if they are, I think the strategy in this game for Los Angeles Maybe to try to get Austin Eckler or Sony Michelle implemented more on the ground game so you don't have to stress a non-100% Justin Herbert because, look, this Texans run defense are allowing 5.6 yards per carry, which is the second most in the NFL. So I think it could be more of a simplified game plan so they don't have to stress those type of guys and they can manage the clock. It's a smart thing to do, but a lot of times the Chargers don't do the smart things, which we've talked about, Mike. But nevertheless, I do think it is going to be a lower scoring game. Again, I played under 45. Uh, right now, you're pretty much seeing 44. 44 and a half is the highest total you can get if you still want to bet the under. Hey, good luck to you. <laughs> All right. So I'm on the under 45. Mike wants nothing to do with the Chargers. Mike, let's take a look at, now we can discuss it, this Washington and Dallas game. Mm -hmm. uh, the Cowboys, three-point favorites. The Cooper Rush experiment looking pretty decent right now. Washington has not looked decent. Uh, this total has now moved down to 41 and a half. Do we, have we seen enough out of Cooper Rush for him to lay three against a division opponent in Washington, Mike. Is this game in Dallas? Why yeah. is this game only three? I thought this game was in was in Virginia, wherever the hell they play. That they're three. This number makes no sense to me. I made this number six. I'm I'm mm. all over the Cowboys here, Danny. The the Commodores are terrible. They're absolutely terrible. Have you watched them? They had two first downs in the first half against the Lions who are not exactly the 85 Bears on defense. They had three first downs, three first downs in the first half against the Eagles at home. That's five first downs in a whole game, the last two first halves. They're awful. Wentz is awful. They can't protect him. He falls down. It's like playing flag football with him. He falls down if you get anywhere <laughs> near him. They had two points until garbage time. They might be the third worst team in football behind the Seahawks. Wow. And the Jets, they're really bad. I give now I give McCarthy no credit for game management. And two idiotic decisions again on Monday. Why is he calling timeout on defense at the end of the first half? They almost let the Giants. They had to stop him on fourth and two so that the Giants didn't score. That was stupid. And then at the end of the game, you throw a pass and go out of bounds and give him another 40 seconds. But I give Dan Quinn credit on defense. He's yeah. changing his looks. He's getting pressure on quarterbacks. They're running the ball. With, the, with Thunder and Lightning there, with, with, with Elliott and Pollard. They're kind of a nice one-two punch. I don't know if Pollard's in every down back, but he's a nice changeup, gives you a little speed. you got to give it to Zeke if you need a yard or two yards. I'll be the first to say I said a couple weeks ago, Cooper Rush, he's not an NFL. I was wrong. He is an NFL quarterback. He's what is he? 3-0 now. It's a starter. He won at Minnesota last year on a Thursday night, and he, he beat the Bengals, and now he beat the Giants. I don't get this number. The Cowboys should be close to a touchdown here. The Commanders are awful. Lay the three before it gets – we're at 3-1-15 here, so I think it's going north. The only way – or the only reason I could see people backing Washington is just – I don't know, maybe you're thinking Cooper Rush is kind of playing over his head. It's the divisional game. Washington really needs to create some kind of momentum. And I'm not saying I'd take the three. I'm kind of just trying to speculate in other people's side here. 
if I was doing anything with Washington, though, Mike, I would have to tease him up. That would be the only way that I would play the Commanders. And again, you're at three right now. So if you're at two and a half, then yeah, you get the six point teaser up to eight and a half. And you could do it to nine, of course. But I, I don't know, man. Yeah, I. It's it's really hard to want to back Carson Wentz. I've been an anti Carson Wentz guy for like three years now. And it's just, I, I do think Dallas is the right side, but is Cooper Rush really that guy right now? And do we even need him to be that guy because of the dual-headed monster with Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott? And they may be getting Dalton Schultz back, and you're presumably getting 100% healthy Micah Parsons, who isn't going to be battling an illness in this game, Mike. They, they, they have a nice package for him. He hits the tight ends. Now you get Schultz back. You know, they talk about C.D. Lamb. He made this left-handed kill. How about the one he dropped? How about yeah. the one he dropped wide open? I, I think he's been he's been very adequate, and I think they're a better team than the Commanders. And and he doesn't turn the ball over. If Rush doesn't turn the ball over here, how did the Cowboys lose this game? I don't I don't think they do. All right, Mike. Let's talk Atlanta and Cleveland next. The Falcons getting a nice dub over the Seahawks this past weekend, and uh, yeah, I was sweating out Cleveland last Thursday for Survivor. <laughs> and despite Cleveland and Jacoby Brissett actually looking pretty viable. Look, this has come down to minus one in favor of the Browns on the road against the Falcons. Total is shot up from 45 to 47 and a half. When I was making my numbers uh, earlier this week, I can't remember exactly what I had this total at. But I had it pretty low, Mike, and it got up to as high as 50. And I was like, do I play this under? Like, 50 just seems too high. And I was like, well, a lot of market or a lot of the market seems to love the over, so maybe I'm missing something and ended up staying away. But now, again, you've seen it crash down to 47 in the hook. Miles Garrett, we know, was involved in that car crash. He won't be playing in this game. I, I just, I don't know, Mike. I feel like this could be a relatively by-low spot on Cleveland because you still have Nick Chubb. You still have Kareem Hunt, who can do enough to control the tempo offensively against Atlanta. And Cleveland's defense isn't bad. They're not great, but they should be good enough to limit Mariota in this offense, you'd think. I don't know. I mean, I, Atlanta's offense actually has looked okay, but I don't know. I, I think I'd have to go Cleveland or nothing here, Mike. Strange number one here, right? It seems mm -hmm. it seems low to me, but it's maybe is that a trap? I don't want to be any part of Arthur Smith in close games. They did pull it out in Seattle, but how he mismanaged his leads, I mean, just in his yeah. year plus there in Atlanta, they can't close from the lead. Um, it would seem like the Browns are the play here, and yet you scratch your head a little bit. Um, I, w I would think the Browns could score some points in this game. You're right, it did touch 50. This is a big move, two and a half points down wow. to 47 and a half. So maybe the under is the play here. I certainly don't have a game. And what about this stupid scheduling by the NFL again? You have a game in London and you still Terrible. have nine games in that in that noon window for you there in Chicago. And then three games that, that really aren't that attractive. I mean, the Packers, no. Packers, Patriots, but that's cl close to touching, uh, you know, double digits here. And the Raiders are 0-3 and the Cardinals have been disappointing going, I mean, not much of marquee in that 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock for your time window. So uh, horrible scheduling again. You can't watch nine games. Seven is the right number. Seven and five is perfect for everyone. But uh, when there's this many games, I think it inspires less bets just because you know you can't really pay attention to, to that many games in-game when so many are going on. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the mid-afternoon slate only having three right now with okay games. I mean... I don't know, Cardinals Panthers, I guess, because of the spread and Broncos Raiders, but like Patriots Packers, no one gives a damn about Brian Hoyer going against Aaron Rodgers in this game. It's disgusting. You're right. It's, 
we're going to watch every game, but it's not as enticing as it would be when you would typically have four or five games in that slate or a premier big spot. So, yeah, I, it's it's really infuriating. You're right. It's getting annoying. And I didn't even think about it as much last week, but after you mentioned it, I was looking at it and I was like, what are we doing? This is just going to be disgusting around 3 o'clock Central time for us. So, you're right. You had three games last week in that 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock your time window that are better than any of the three this week. You had Tampa yeah. Bay Green Bay, which is a, any week would be might be the the you know marquee game. You had the Jaguars and the Chargers, uh, and you had uh, the Rams and the Cardinals. All three of those are better than any of these three games to me. No doubt. Well, hey, we might as well get into these ugly uh. games because that's what we got coming next, Mike. <laughs> and I do have an angle for two of these games, so I guess I'll start with the Panthers and the Cardinals. In May, the Cardinals opened two in the hook, and then they kind of went up to three, and, well, now you've seen it completely flip because Carolina's laying the point in the hook. Total opened as high as 46.5, now down to 43, Some or most spots 43.5. Mike, I get that the Cardinals haven't done anything promising right now, and all they're doing is trailing in every single game, but the Panthers... I mean, every game for them has been close, and they really haven't played any stiff competition. I mean, the Saints are clearly a mess right now. Uh, the Browns, eh, you had Jacoby Brissett, who's not really throwing that much, and they almost won that game, but it was just a running back duo in that spot with Chubb and then obviously Hunt controlling the game. And then the Giants, I'm still not high in the Giants. So I'm just not that sold on Carolina. Baker has not looked that great. The defense has stepped up when they needed to. But I don't think it necessarily warrants them being a favorite in this spot. If anything, I could see it being a pick -em. Arizona still should be the more talented team with Kyler Murray as their quarterback. I get going on the road here isn't ideal for Arizona. It's not like them playing at home is a big advantage necessarily. But so ultimately what I did here, Mike, I teased up Arizona. And I, I guess I'll just tell you who I teased it up. I teased it with the Packers. So I did a seven-point teaser, actually. And seldom do I do a seven-point teaser. But... Getting Green Bay from 9.5 down to 2.5 is what I wanted to do against the Patriots. So I did the 7 points with the Packer that way, uh, the Packers that way. And then the Cardinals from plus 1.5 up to plus 8.5 in this game against the Panthers. Every game has been within 8.5 points thus far. I think the Cardinals, again, they'll make a gross, Mike. But whether they win or not, it should be just within a touchdown, I would imagine. I don't hate the play. I'm concerned about the Cardinals' defense. They don't, they don't seem to be able to get off the field when they need to get off the field. Now, I know the, the Raiders, who do great disappearing acts sometime in the second half, let them back into that game. I don't know what to make of this game. I mean, if, the, if Carolina was getting any kind of quarterback play, Baker's like the lowest-rated starting quarterback in the league. He's worse than Joe yeah. Flacco. He's, he's really bad. I watched because I bet that. I made a pretty large bet on the first half under in that game against the Saints, so I watched every play of it. These two quarterbacks just drop back in the pocket and they can't hit the receivers. And you've got McCaffrey, you know, you should be better than this, but he just hasn't performed so far. So, And he's on the injured list again, too, this yeah, week, Mike. You know, he's, in, he's on it every week. I don't hate your play because the Panthers keep every game close, right? It's, it's always close. So, if, you know, you get it up over – you figure this game – I'd be surprised if this game's, you know, a blowout one way or the other. I think the game will probably remain close. And the Cardinals, you know, you're playing in the NFC West. You're one and two. You got to start winning here. You're going to be out of it already yeah. uh, in that division. So uh, I don't hate the play. Um, it's hard to bet under in games with Kyler Murray, so I'd probably lay, lay off the under, which is now uh, at 43 and a half in most books. 
I know the under would seem to be the play here, but there's been such a big movement to it. And you're right. I mean, going with an under with Kyler Murray, who at the end of games can make anything nuts happen, kind of doesn't make it uh, that convincing to want to bet it. But maybe Carolina makes the Cardinals defense look good enough and it will be a lower scoring game. But about, yeah, I do about, like the card. Danny, how yeah, about go ahead. King Kingsbury not kicking the field goal to make, to make it a one score? <laughs> what is he doing? He only got the ball back one more time. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> what the guy? What did he do at Texas Tech? He didn't win anything. He did the best finish in six years at Texas Tech. Was tied for fifth in the Big Twelve, and you get an NFL job. I, I don't get it. It makes no sense. He's proven time and time again he is not a viable head coach candidate. And the I guess I don't know if um, I know it's a lot of times offshore. Some random spots will have the markets for first head coach fired. I don't know if you guys ever post those, but um, Josh McDaniels obviously giving Cliff Kingsbury a run for his money, and that's kind of the you know that's good, the game we're gonna go to next. And if he doesn't get the job done, McDaniels, do you think that there's nah, a chance he can no. get canned? No, no, chance. no, zero chance. It's his first year. It's his first year. Kingsbury, what, his fifth year, whatever, in Arizona, and, and and very disappointing. The Raiders, I mean, I think, you know, it's still an underdog for them to make the playoffs. Yeah, they're 0-3. They've been competitive in each game. Um, I think expectations got ramped up a little too high because they dominated in the preseason. Everybody's, oh, the Raiders, the Raiders, this and that. He's got to have more leash than Kingsbury, though. He's he's absolutely yeah. got to. I, I would think that those two numbers would be – would be close. I think the second half in at Allegiant here in Las Vegas probably saved Kingsbury's job. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that was that was quite the comeback for him. And here's the thing: I mean, did the Cardinals' upper management do they have enough goal to fire someone midseason? Though I don't necessarily know their history, but you would think if they were somewhat competent with their rationale of getting the right coaching staff in there, that Cliff would have been gone. While he wouldn't even have been the head coach in the first place. You're right; he didn't have that much success in college, so it makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't at all. I'm just looking at these coaches for first coach fired. I'm looking through. If if the Jets do nothing with Wilson is Salah, I mean he could be a candidate, right? Uh, that's been a disappointing tenure so far. I would think that those would be the the ones on the hot seat here. What's his name? Um, Rivera. No one ever blames Rivera for anything. This right. this team is horrible, but you ever, no one even so says true. anything about Rivera. <laughs> is is he come under fire? I don't know. I never hear anything nationally about him at all. I was looking at the Comet Commanders as as far as a disappointing team. Let's see. Let's see how the rest of the year goes for Nathaniel Hackett, too. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, Hackett's <laughs> got to be up there at this uh, at this time of the season. So that game with Hackett and Josh McDaniels here, the Raiders now up to as high as three. Okay, so it's hitting three now. Uh, opened about two. Two in the hook is what you saw. Now three. 45 to 45 and a half is the range that I saw. Mike, I did pull the trigger on the Raiders minus a buck 35 on the money line. I was talking with Matt Humans on our uh, on our show yesterday. He likes them outright and he's using them in Survivor. I think Gil Alexander on a numbers game also said he was contemplating using the Raiders in Survivor. Situational spot, desperation levels very high for the Raiders coming back home. Denver's looked ugly all across the board. And I know the Raiders have too, but again, them just needing the win here, maybe he could take advantage of this spot and look to back the Raiders. Offensively, they can move the ball as long as Derek Carr is not a complete uh, 
just clown out there, I guess you could call him. And Denver's offense is still anemic. They Even in their win, they haven't done anything that's been great in both of their wins. So if there's a spot to put some stock into the Raiders, it's got to be this one, Mike. Well, what do you think of the Broncos' defense? Don't you give any respect? I think the Broncos' defense is pretty good. Second half, Seattle, although it's Geno Cook, nothing. Texas, the, the Houston Texans didn't really move the ball at all. And what did they end up with? Three or six points in that game. Uh, last week, they held San Francisco in the running game down. I mean, you kept the game close. You were down the most of the game, but the defense kept them in the game, kept them. They get the goofy safety that could have been a pick six. All that from Jimmy G as he stomped out racism with his right foot. Uh, you know, I... I still think the Broncos. De- I'm not. I'm not with this Raiders. I'm not on this bandwagon here. Raiders lay three, two and a but half, they, or, or your precious little small money line place. <laughs> but they they face Geno Smith and Davis Mills and Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not saying they're a bad. They're a good defense, but maybe they're not as great as they've led us to believe up to this point against that kind of crop of talent, if that's what you want to call it. My concern here, though, in backing the Broncos is this Russell Wilson. He's 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 turned into Jacoby Brissett, and Jacoby Brissett looks more mobile than Russell Wilson right now. Yeah. Why he's is he no, afraid to run it? He's no threat anymore. He won't run. He's not moving well in the pocket. He's not hitting. He doesn't look very good. You know, he just doesn't look very good at this stage. I think the Broncos are the better team, but you'd have to believe in Wilson in this spot. I don't, I don't know. The total's low. I'd like to go under in this game if it was yeah. 48 or something, but 45 and a half. I can't play the game. Um, I hope just so it doesn't get too dicey around here, the Raiders can win a game. So, I mean, they, they're getting they're getting a little bit of unrest at the, <laughs> at the viewing spots on these Sundays with the Raiders fans. They're, they're so disappointed in this team. And they give up three touchdowns on three drives to Tennessee to open up. So it's, a, it's, 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 it's you know, it's a must-win game for the Raiders. Chance for the Broncos to move to three and one here. Uh, should should be a good game. I think it's a I think it's a field goal game here, but I don't want to I don't want to lay two and a half or even that one thirty five. All right, Mike. Well, let's talk Packers and Patriots before we get to Sunday night football. Green Bay now laying nine in the hook. Got as high as ten in the hook. I know. Again, Matt Humans, he was liking the Packers at, or part of me, the Patriots at that number when we were talking yesterday. But now it's moved down a point to nine in the hook. Total at about forty and a half. You can get some forties if you want to go toward the over. Um, in May, by the way, with Mac Jones, assuming he was the starting quarterback, Green Bay opened up as a five-point favorite. So again, now you've seen a big adjustment, understanding that it's going to be Brian Hoyer in the mix. When this line was at 10 and a half, Mike, I could understand the reasoning for going with the Patriots in the sense that, well, that's just a lot of points. He got Bill Belichick still, even though he's clearly not been the same without Tom Brady. Um, The Packers offense has not been that dominant. The trust issues are still there with his receivers. And New England's got a really good run offense, honestly. Ramondre Stevenson and Harris, they can move the ball well enough to at least kind of wind down that clock and keep it within 10 points, I would imagine. At nine and a half, I don't see anything worth a play except for, like I mentioned, I ended up teasing down Green Bay seven points to minus two in the hook. But aside from that, nothing stands out to me for this game. What about the total, Danny? How about under 40 and a half? I mean, we talked last week about that number moved so much, but under 42, 42 and a half in the Tampa Bay game. I I don't know. Green Bay looked great for two drives and then nothing the whole rest of the game. I mean, that was, that was pretty amazing, but we know how good the Tampa Bay defense is. I think the Packers are going to have to put up all the points here. 
um, which yeah. would me tell you that I think that, that lay nine and a half is the right play as well. Um, they're going to be in my teaser play here, the Packers. Uh, let's tease the Packers down <clears throat> to two and a half. That's part of it. But I think the Packers dominate this game. If I told you the score is 31 to three, would you would you be surprised if I told you it was 31? Mm-mm. You know, if I told you it was 31 to six, would you be surprised if I told you it was 28? No. So it's tough with the big favorite to say the big favorite and the under. So if you're going to play the under, you probably want to put the Packers in a teaser to give yourself a little more margin of error. All right, Mike, let me look down let me look down the road a little bit here and pose a question to you. So this Packers team right now, they are sitting at two and one, but a kind of ugly two and one, right? The main team that was healthy that they played was Minnesota and they got stomped out. They beat a bad Bears team, and again, we've talked about it a millimeter away from having maybe a different conversation about that game. You barely survive against Tom Brady and a bunch of third stringers. Now you're going to get the likes of a Patriots team without their starting quarterback. Then you get the Giants. I can't remember if it's Giants or Jets next in that international game. But regardless, you get the Giants and the Jets the next couple of weeks. And maybe you get the Commanders after. The point I'm getting to is that I feel like the Packers are just going to get on this win streak here. But they still have a lot of underlying issues that when it comes to playing the big teams. Playing a team that's going to be healthy and strong. Like if they played a healthy Bucks team, then they will show and they will rise to the surface and Green Bay really will not be as great as their record is showing us. So after this win streak they may go on, I feel like you're going to get a big adjusted win total or some big odds in some kind of capacity going their way, and that may be an opportunity to look to jump in on an under with their adjusted win total or something in a different team you could look to capitalizing, whether it's the NFC North or in the NFC in general. Well, I agree with your assessment on win totals and looking at schedule strength and where the schedule lies, because obviously the back half is more difficult um, for the Packers. But what of what? How do you assess the NFC right now? Who do you think is the best team in the NFC? And has the Eagles come down too far where they're not worth a bet right now to make it to the Super Bowl? I think me, I think Tampa Bay and Philadelphia are the best two teams in the NFC. Notwithstanding, with Brady have no weapons at all, and you grind it out and get beaten that fourteen to twelve game. Yeah, and again, you knew, and it was so funny. Like we were on live bet Sunday, and Jeff Parles the whole time's clamoring. He's like, "This game's gonna end 14-12. They're gonna get a touchdown. They're gonna miss a two point conversion, and he nailed it to a T. But that was just one of those vintage Tom Brady games where he just can't get anything going. Final drive, you know, he's gonna make it close. And then inevitably fall up short. So, yeah, there's not – again, those two drives from Green Bay were great. And you're like, all right, there's Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. we were waiting to see. And then there was nothing the rest of the game. So, I'm just still not convinced on Green Bay. Granted, this spot, you and I both like them. So, uh, we are invested in Green Bay to that capacity of teasing them down. Uh, final game, and then we'll get to our overall favorite teasers, Mike. Bucks and Chiefs Sunday night football. This line's kind of gone a little bit back and forth. I think Kansas City got as high as two and a half. Now you're seeing it as low as a pick or minus one in favor of KC. Total opened about 48 and a half. Now it's down to 45 is what it looks like. 45 and a hook, even some 46 out there. Uh, Mike, originally I did kind of like Kansas City in this spot. And then, you know, you think about it and you're like, well, let's be honest. Tampa Bay is not as bad as they were last week. You are potentially getting Chris Godwin in the game. Mike Evans will be back in the mix. 
And Kansas City, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, I like Kansas City, and you know they're going to be able to produce points. But this game, they're staying in Tampa Bay is what they announced. So who knows what that whole situation is going to be like for both teams. I, I Right now, I am completely torn on this game. Maybe I would look to do something with the Buccaneers, but uh, I don't know. I'd really need to be convinced. I think there's still the possibility they got to move this game to Minneapolis, which is they said where it's going to be played if they move it, even though they don't want to move it. Um, the line move is a little curious to me. Two and a half to pick. Yeah. What what's spurred on by that? The health of the the Bucks. I, I don't know. I, I I still think I like the Chiefs in this matchup. Um, Chiefs have been able to move the ball against the Buccaneers. Remember that game they had that kind of that shootout where they got way ahead in the first quarter and did whatever they wanted. Then in the Super Bowl, they came back and dominated them. So it's a great Sunday night game. It's not a game for me to want to bet it. I want to see how good this Tampa Bay defense is up against Mahomes. Can they really control a game uh, against the Chiefs like this? The, the, the defense is the strength of their team, and, I mean, that's obvious here. So it's a pass for me. It's a game I'm going to be sitting and watching. So, again, we, as of this moment, you and I are recording Thursday afternoon, and it looks like the game's going to be in Tampa Bay, could be held in Minnesota. And because of those reasons, Mike, would you almost recommend to lay off the total, uh, about 45 and a half, 46, because if it's played in a dome up in Minneapolis, you know, points could be flying as opposed to them uh, sticking in Tampa Bay here. I think here's a point, too, Danny, about check the rules wherever you're betting at, right? Um, for us at Circa, Say so you make the bet today. The game has to be played within 24 hours and within 100 miles of the scheduled stadium. So if the game goes to Minneapolis, all your bets are off. We'll take it down for a few minutes, repost. Sure, the number might be different in favor of the Chiefs. If it's in Minneapolis, they'll be the favorite. Um, and I don't know about the total. Maybe it goes up being played in the Dome. But your bet is void. So if you're betting on the app, you get a refund. If you have a live ticket, you got to bring it back in. Then you'd have to rebet it. I would think that most people might wait to see how the weather develops in the next few days. Is Tampa really in the eye of it and looking to be one of the worst uh, cities affected by it? So, but that's a good point for any occasion. Know, know the house yeah. rules wherever you're betting. Valuable information. Good job from Mike Palm again at Mike Palm Circuit, where you can follow him on Twitter. All right, Mike, let's move along. Our favorite teasers for NFL Week 4. I already told you mine. I'm doing the seven-point teaser right now. Cardinals up to plus eight and a half. And then the Packers down to minus two in the hook. That's the only teaser I got rocking as of this moment. The only other team I I kind of considered for a second was Washington. Uh, I know you're completely anti-Washington. So trust me, I'm not getting involved with the Commanders. Uh, another spot naturally would be the Eagles. You could get from minus six in the hook. Pretty much down to a pick em. Uh, If it got down to two in the hook, you could look at the Bears maybe if you want to tease them up. Or I guess here's the other the other teaser, and, and you mentioned this at the beginning of the show, teasing up the Titans over 10. If you could get the Titans to 10 in the hook, that would probably be the next team in line to add to a different teaser play. But officially right now, Cardinals up, Packers down. That's what I got. What's making your list for this week? Well, you hit it. I have Packers down to two. I'm going to do seven point as well. Packers down to two and a half, and the Titans up to 11 uh, okay. is my teaser. There's not a lot of spots that I like here. Um, too many of them would be involved going through the zero. I would, I thought about Bills plus four uh, on the seven-point teaser there. Um, I think the Titans can run the ball enough against the Colts to control that game where it won't get out of hand. And I'm still not sold on Matt Ryan, who, who looks like some version of Jurassic Park at, at this stage. So, so <laughs> mechanical and clunky. So I don't think it's a huge teaser week here. So I really just have the two plays, Cowboys minus three and then 
Packers Titans teaser. Okay, so we got two official plays from Mike right there. He might as well go over our best bets. Last week, Mike went two and one. I got him docked at a record of six and three. I ended up 500, Mike. I'm still trying to claw out of this week one hole that I had. So I'm at seven and 13 here. I got the Texans and Chargers under 45 for that total. I got the Raiders money line minus a buck 35. And then I got that seven point teaser Cardinals up to plus eight and a half. Packers down to minus two in the hook. And I'm sure I'll add plenty more props. Make sure you listen and look out for Prop Watch, also available here on Beeson's Pro Football Betting Podcast feed. And Mike, final thoughts before we get out of here. If you're making a survivor play, what can we list you as right now? Or are you still waiting to see? Because we got to kind of, you know, hear what the official injury report is for Detroit. I would. It depends. There's a lot of, you know, if things were different, they wouldn't be the same. I'm with you though, Danny. I would take the I would take the Lions this week. Um, my second choice would be the Steelers. Mm. And you've been a big Steelers guy coming into this week, but so you don't want to back them on the spread, huh? Well, uh, I guess at three with the one twenty is more playable than three and a half. I I think Wilson throws a couple picks in his yeah. first time back, and I think that'll be the key. But I wish that Tomlin would let Trubisky go a little bit. Let him throw the ball. Stop with the, the training wheels on him and trying to win these games to, you know, 13 to 10. Forget about that. All right, Mike, uh, final question here. This is just a complete random one now that I thought about it. Who's going to have the best stat line out of these three quarterbacks? Is it going to be Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, or Justin Fields? I'm out on Wentz, so eliminate him. <laughs> Well, what, what does it include? Does it include rushing yards? Uh, I would. I, 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 well, rushing that's, yards obviously gives the leg up the field, so we'll say no rushing yards. Okay, then I then I will go with Baker Mayfield. Okay, Baker Mayfield <laughs> over Justin Fields. Well, only, you're probably also, right. <laughs> he's also the only guy playing at home of those three. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> This would be the game for Fields to finally throw it, but you know they're not going to do it against a bad run defense. So it's going to be another seven uh, completion, 13 attempts type of game for Justin Fields. He, I, 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 you know, I always question a little bit the running quarterback when they have to play on artificial turf as well. Because it's just not easy. That Bears stadium looked nice, that new turf with no water. It wasn't underwater. That, that with those deep grass, that makes it a lot easier for these, these guys like quarterbacks because they can soften the blow on the grass True. as a field as opposed to that turf you know what i mean i mean it's just such more dangerous as a running quarterback on the turf absolutely yeah you've seen it time and time again but uh, mike it's going to be an eventful slate unfortunately a jam-packed early slate instead of spread out hopefully we can get that altered sooner rather than later and hopefully we could cash some winners after this week when all is said and done but mike best of luck to you make sure you follow mike on twitter at mike palm circa as for myself at danny burke five mike unless you have anything else i think we're all good here is that all you got that's all i got good luck to uh, northwestern and the cubs and the white Sox this week <laughs> <laughs> that's what we like to hear baby all righty thank you for tuning in to another edition of Beeson's pro football betting podcast best of luck to all your wagers folks and take care